welcome back to your favorite Chicago sports show. Well, really, your Chicago everything show. That's right. It is because Chicago with, of course, the legendary, the one and only, the man who comes with the hottest takes. He he has all the ladies like, oh, my goodness, baby, why are you bringing all that heat? He does these things. And now he's also making his comeuppance as a wrestling announcer. He is that man, Dirty Dave. Yeah, man. Shout out on that. Been doing some some work in there, getting some stuff on social media up on there, man. It's exciting. But, um, you know, I love being here, too, man. I mean, this is this is really where I let my voice shine. You know, I get to talk about all the things I like and uh, I get to do with my man, Jerome Spann, of course. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, of course, you guys know already who it is, Pretty Space on ITC. Don't forget it, baby. That man, Jerome Spann. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on all the social medias. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you can get notified every time we drop new content. And also don't forget to rate us and review us. If you rate us only four, uh, only four stars out of five, I'm going to say you're a big hater. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the truth, right? Hey, we know we five stars. You got We like a we like a Rob Van Dam frog splash coming off the top, baby. It's guaranteed five stars. Yo, man, I love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, though, you know, we got excited for that back in the day. Um, but speaking of excitement, or, or I guess lack thereof, I mean, Jerome, we always wear Chicago stuff on the show. What's up with that white shirt today? Hey, it is a shirt in protest because both teams that are playing right now are boo boo butt butt and don't deserve to be on my body. Okay, they are terrible. I mean, look, man. I know Sox fans that listen to this, they probably like, oh, y'all finally want to talk about the Cubs being bad. Yes, yes, because before they weren't terrible. Now, over the past month, it's like, what happened? What happened? Now we're here to talk about they might trade Strowman. What is this, bro? Man, I uh I'm I'm gonna be in solidarity with you. This uh this hat is for my softball team. It says Team Chicago on it because we are TC. And uh, because you're not gonna put no Chicago stuff in your body. It's gone. Bye bye. No more it. hat today. You get to see the the the, the low the flowing locks instead. <laughs> I uh, like it. I like it. Yeah. I uh yeah. It, it's been tough, man. I mean, if I hear more Strowman trade talks, I mean, we're gonna have some problems because, you know, we can't keep we can't get one free agent every off season and then trade him the next year and then expect to compete <laughs> uh, in the worst division in baseball. I mean, this this is absolutely. I mean, this is crazy talk to talk about. You know, Stroman goes out there, throws you know, damn near no hitter, and then it's like, should we, should we trade him? Maybe I think absolutely not. I think you should build around this man and uh, maybe clone him. If we can get two or three Marcus Strowmans. We might be in good shape. <laughs> I mean, Cubs might be having a lot of wins at Wrigley Field soon if we do that. I, I mean, look, man, it's astounding to me that we're wasting a great Justin Steele year. We're wasting it. Him and Strowman are both pitching their tails off right now. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, these guys have proven that they are our one and two option on the year. And yet we are just wasting it because our offense is absolutely one of the most putrid things I have ever seen as a Cubs fan. I'm t- Dave, even on those years where they were tanking, it was still like, well, you guys know how to play baseball. You're just not that talented. This team you look at and you're like, you guys are supposed to have talent, but you fucking stink. You stink. Like, I, I, bro, I, I, like, how? How is this the case? We spent the money in the offseason, and yet it didn't seem to do anything. It's like we're in the same position that we were last year. 
Well, I mean, I can tell you why why it seems that way because they spent money on some of the worst free agents available and gave them all this big money. Listen, I mean, Jameson Tyone <laughs> got his first win as a Cub in June. June. We started the season in April. I mean, Jameson Tyone never made sense as an option. I mean, there are there are minor leaguers that could put up better numbers than him. He finally got one good start for the Cubs, and that was we're recording on Sunday. That was on Friday. He finally got his first good start as a Cub. It's about <laughs> time. But, I mean, you spend money on him. You spend money on Trey Mancini. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. Trey Mancini, what's this dude doing on the team? And uh-huh. Honestly, I mean, and still, you, you spend all this money, and you still have, whether it be management or the front office, that are obsessed with these horrible, horrible players. They keep putting them in the lineup. There's not a single reason why uh, Tucker Barnhart needs to see the field as a Chicago Cub. If I have to spend more time talking about Miles fucking masturbator bony, <laughs> I'm going to fucking lose my shit. That is the worst player I've ever seen in a Cubs uniform. And he's batting leadoff. David Ross, leadoff. Look, Miles is pretty awful. Like, and you know it's bad when you can't even be Billy Hamilton. Because Billy Hamilton was hitting, you know, for his career, you know, he was hitting in the low 200s. You can't even really do that. You can't do that. You hitting one something? Like, why are you even there? To me, at this point, this Cubs team has proven to me that the acquisitions they made were awful outside of um, bringing in Strowman. And that's really about it. Everything else to me has been bad. Um, I, I'm not trying to harp too bad on Dansby Swanson, but you're getting paid that big money and you sure as hell don't look like a big money player right now. I'm sorry. I know people will try and tell me the standard has changed, but 279 ain't good enough for my highest played player on my team. Not unless you give me Aaron Judge numbers and power. If you can can give me some Aaron Judge numbers or some Giancarlo Stanton numbers and power, okay, you can hit 270. But you're just an average hitter. You're supposed to be the guy to bring the average up for the team. And you ain't even really doing that. So, like, Dave, I don't know specifically with this roster, this team, this year, do not see any way for them to get better quickly. Um, there's there's literally no move they can make because they have too many issues. Like, I mean, for being real, what, five out of the eight, maybe four out of the eight position players that we put out there every week, every uh, game with a pitcher, excuse me, probably can be replaced off of our roster by better players. I, I, I don't see how they get any better. This is an awful experience. It actually makes me happy that they still – have got the same manager because he proved he wasn't a great manager last year. And he'll show you again this year that he cannot manage a team because, look, even an average manager is going to get the most out of his roster. It does not feel like David Ross is getting the most out of this roster at any time that he puts that team out on the field. Anytime. No, man, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not with you on the Dansby Swanson stuff. I, I'm actually going to have to step in for my guy Dansby here. Uh, I think a 280 hitter playing gold glove defense with a little bit of pop in the middle infield, I think that's a perfect guy to put in your middle infield and pay a lot of money to. Um, I love watching him and Nico on defense, man, and and, and I'm a defense guy. Um, you know, when you get Cody Bellinger back, that's another bat that you feel like you can trust. You know, if, if Christopher Morell, he's evening out, 
if he could be what he was last year, he was decent enough last year to at least contribute off the bench. If Nick Madrigal comes back from Iowa and is able to hit, my God, even 275 instead of 230 like he has as a Cub, <laughs> that's going to help. You know, but at the same time, even we're talking about the offense, the offense keep getting better. But after Steele and Stroman, there's question marks. I mean, Drew Smiley had a rough outing last night. Um, Jameson Tyone, you know my opinion on Jameson Tyone. (laughs) Kyle Hendricks. This whole show hates Jameson, bro. Bro. (laughs) I can't can't ever have love for a guy with a 70 RA. Can't do it. Listen, I want to give a shout out to Jameson Tyone's parents for naming him Jameson so I know what to drink after I have to watch him start a baseball game. <laughs> I uh, I do. I drink heavily after his starts. Uh, it's usually Jameson. It could also be Malort. Um, we are a Chicago show after all. But, um, I mean, I feel like, you know, between Smiley and Hendricks every time through the rotation, I feel like I'll get one good start between the two of them. I know what I'm getting from Tyone, and it's usually trash. I know the other one – who besides Smiley who doesn't do well, probably going to be eh. But the problem to me is that even if you get Bellinger back, Madrigal starts hitting, you know, Matt Mervis finally picks up on major league pitching, you know, if you do all that, you put up five or six runs a game, I'm still worried that you have nobody to throw out the bullpen besides Adbear Alzali and Mark Leiter Jr. They've got to stop trying to cobble together this mishmash bullpen at 11.59 every single season. It's not working. I mean, last year, yes, you got a couple of guys who you traded for prospects of the deadline. But even in that case, I mean, it didn't help out because you were so poor at the time. And this year, the guys they brought in are absolute basura. Oh, my goodness. When I have to watch somebody, man, Michael fucking Fulmer, man, they thought that was going to be the closer. That's who they thought. Oh, we don't have to spend money on a big bullpen guy. We don't have to trade for one. We got Michael Fulmer. The only thing about the only thing good for Michael Fulmer is that when he got DFA'd, we we didn't have to hear his name anymore. That's the best thing he did as a Cub was get designated for assignment. The, the thing that kills me with a Fulmer is like literally all you had to do is call across the city and say, "Hey, what do you guys think of this guy? You guys see him a lot. What do you think of him?" They would have told you, "Oh, he's boo boo butt butt. He's trash. You don't want to bring him in." But they're apparently. Somewhere in our analytics department, it said that he could be a quality guy. And I don't know where the hell that came from. Because, I mean, if we're talking about the history of Michael Fulmer, right, talking about a a guy who originally was drafted to be a starter, they figured out real quickly he couldn't be a starter, had to move into the bullpen, figured out he can't really do long relief. He ain't really (laughs) – you're not going to put him in middle relief because it doesn't have that type of command. Well, he's got good stuff. So maybe he'll be able to work as a closer. You know, that, that like you, you got to talk about that history of a guy. And that's who you bring in as your closer? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it was literally every single reliever they brought in was just like, like, what What are you thinking? Brad Boxberger, Julian Merriweather, who shout out Julian Merriweather. His last like five or six appearances, he's been really good. So shout out to him, man. But I mean, Julian Merriweather is a 4.3 ERA and it's two awesome. points lower than last year. What are you? You thought uh, you bring a guy with a seven ERA, and you thought, "Oh, hey guys, we got a bullpen. Don't worry. No, we'll be we'll compete this year." Like, come on, what are we talking about here? But that's, you know that's we knew that would be the Achilles' heel. Even when they were doing well, we talked uh, the bullpen might be an issue, and now it's a major issue. It's losing them games. Hey, I think Jed 
he might have been watching a little bit too much money ball before he put this team together. Cause let me tell you, this this the way this team has been put together, it reeks to me of Billy Bean when he was in Oakland. Like, well, you know, I look, I'll pay this guy. And then we'll kind of try and plug some pieces around and we'll be good defensively and we'll we'll be able to go station to station. No, you need some certified dogs on this roster, and we ain't got them. We really don't. Like, and this is why I say I don't want to kill Dansby Swanson because he has still been at least to the level that you would hope to get out of a quality shortstop, out of somebody that you can put out there every day, count on them to be a a bat in your lineup, and a great glove. He's been that for sure. My issue comes in is that what's going to happen now in the offseason? We're going to hear the crying crying about how they ain't got no money. Their team didn't do good enough last year. We can't sign this player now, and we're just going to be right back in this same bullshit next year. And that's where my issue comes in because, it's like, look, if you're going to spend big money on a guy, he better be doing something that we can at least – as a fan base, say, well, at least we got this dude. Because as good as, Swan, as Swanson has been, there's nothing that makes me be like, well, at least we got this guy. You know, like, if we could just get some people around him, we could win. Like, when you have Aaron Judge, perfect example, you're like, oh, okay, we put some things around this man. We got something. I feel like we're closer to being – like the Anaheim Angels than we are like a, a, a quality organization like the Yankees. We're, we're, we're more so towards the Angels because when, look at what the Angels are doing. The Angels got two great players, can't build a roster around them to save their life. We have one good player, and we've got some decent players around them, but the rest of the roster ain't great. We basically them. They ain't just as shitty as we are. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, you might be able to say as a as a baseball fan, you could probably rest your loyals a little bit better on the Angels because at least they got Mike Trout and Shohei. What do we got? I mean, yo, and and I think they got some guys in, in the minors that could turn into something still. I mean, that's but I mean oh, that's yeah, absolutely. We spent 108 years talking about who's next. So I mean, I'm you know I'm tired of talking about who's next. You know, we we had we had four or five of them. They got one World Series, and all of a sudden they fall face of the earth. But you know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking still Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be that guy. I think he's he's a guy who could be a 300 hitter with a uh, uh, Gold Glove defense out in center. And um, you know, that that's that's what you're hoping. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you know, first of all, I'm kind of a sidetrack. Moneyball doesn't work, by the way. Do we do we are we aware of that? Preach, I mean, brother, we, preach. Yeah, how many times in the movie did you see the uh, Cy Young Award-winning pitcher or the MVP shortstop? <laughs> zero and zero. <laughs> zeros. They got fat zeros on that, man, because they don't want to talk about how Barry Zito was dropping that curveball in everywhere. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a disaster, man. I think that between Adbert Elzelai and Cody Hoyer coming back soon, um, who I'm very excited about Cody Hoyer, I think he's going to end up being a guy who could be a closer for a long time. Uh, I think he's got the the potential to really be like a, uh, you know, you think about like when when San Diego for ten years straight didn't have to worry about a closer. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna be Trevor Hoffman, but I am saying that I do think that he could hold down that position for quite a while. So um, I think he's. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about Eber Elzelay finding his spot in the bullpen. We all thought he'd be a starter, but um, 
you know, he kind of always had this stuff of a guy whose maximum capacity was five or six good innings, um, not a workhorse. And uh, in today's day and age, you need at least one or two workhorses in your rotation um, because most people go through 100 pitches by the fifth or sixth inning. Um, we could talk about Dylan Cease in Chicago since we're talking about uh, our baseball teams, the, a guy who you know, goes five and a third innings pitch with 107 pitches and, you know, oh, they're good five and a third, but now you have to go to the bullpen. So, um, you know, I, I like those two pieces. But to me, you know, your next step if you're the Cubs is go out and get yourself a real catcher. Um, you know, Jan Gomes is in a lot of home runs. He had a home run today, actually, by the time we're recording. So good for him on that. But he's an older guy. You know what his limit is. Get yourself a 26-year-old catcher from another team. Um, you did it last time you had a rebuild. You got Miguel Montero, and look how that worked out. He helped you in a World Series. Um, go out and get a couple of relievers, uh, teams that trade for relievers and keep them long-term. Generally like what they when they do that. Just ask the Braves about Rysel Iglesias, who's currently closing for them right now, and they really enjoy him. Um, yeah, if you do those two things first off and stop giving money to guys like Miles Mastroboni and Jameson Tyone, you know, you could be one or two moves away. Um, but, again, we've spent 108 years saying that. Uh, to get one is going to be 108 years to the next one, and then it's one and done again. You know, I think you brought up a great point in talking about Dylan Cease. I think that is a general problem in Major League Baseball now, where a lot of these guys, they got this really great stuff. You know, they got the, they, they could fire it in there. They could throw it 100. But they don't have the location to get them through seven innings. You know what I mean? They can't. They can't do what Greg Maddox and Glavin were out there doing for like twenty years in their career, right? Which was, hey, I know I don't have the best stuff, but I can hit you on the edges all day long. I think that's something that is greatly missed in baseball now, just in general. When you watch it, there's not many pitchers that you really look at like that. Most of the guys that are that way, right, are the old guys, the old heads like the Verlanders now, right? He'd been in the league for damn near 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these young guys, God rest his soul, um, like, um, what was his name? Hernandez in, mm -hmm. in Miami. He's a fireballer, right? He, I mean, how that would have shook out long term, we don't know. But that would have been a great couple of years to watch because he's a fireballer. He's got, you know, he's constantly throwing these, these pitches that you're like, Jesus, how do you do that? But for me... I'd rather take a guy like a Kyle Hendricks that's going to give you consistency for about seven, eight years where you know, hey, look, Kyle ain't got the best stuff, but he's got a mind that works very, very well, and he knows how to locate and work the counts to his advantage. I wish there were more pitchers in the game like that now because, like, coming up, right, we always had so many, like, great pitchers that you were like, man, you can literally name them off, you know, just – Fire them off left and right. Now there's not that many. Like, beyond, like, the known names that have been in the league for, like, 10-plus years, Dave, who's a pitcher that you're like, oh, man, that guy's dominant. That guy's a – that's a special pitcher. It's Ooh. hard, right? Like, when you, when, you, when you sit and think on it for a second, right, it's hard because you're like, who is there, actually? Because most of these young guys, they'll either come in – be pitching really, really great, right, for a year, get hurt, then they're never the same after their injury, or they come in, quickly find out their command isn't good enough, they never become the pitcher that they're supposed to be, 
most of the time they end up in the bullpen somewhere, right? So who who's left? I mean, because look, the guy that it, that it should have been at this point, right, would have been a guy like Strasburg. What is he now? Can't even throw. He can't even throw a baseball. He can't use his arm. He literally can't use one of his arms. Man, his shoulders falling off. There's there's so there's few. You know, I mean, there's uh, there's Spencer Strider in Atlanta. He's a great example. You know, he's a young guy who absolutely throws just gas. He's phenomenal. Shane McClanahan in Tampa is an example. But the problem is these guys are too hit or miss, and they they have too many arm problems, and they're not just not consistent enough. I mean, one of the worst players in all of baseball this year is Alec Manoa, who everybody thought he was the favorite, betting favorite at one point to win the Cy Young Award in the American League. And he has an ERA of about six and a half right now. He leads the league in walks. He, he's terrible. He's like one in seven. Um, you know, it, it's it's so tough to pitch. It is. It's just so tough to pitch. You look at the Noah stats. Yeah, oh, my God. He's terrible this year, bro. He's like when Cody Bellinger went from MVP to batting 175. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? How did that work? What? Um, yeah, I mean, the only guy I could think of, and, and Otani's one of those guys, he's he's newer to the league technically, last few mm-hmm. years, he's an ace, but McClanahan and Spencer Strider are really the only two guys. I do love Spencer Strider, though. He's a, he's a, he's a dog. Two guys. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. You back. Let's just go back to when it was hardcore. Um, we were basically seeing Red Sox-Yankees in the playoffs every year. Yeah, Clemens, Pedro, Messina, um, What's his name? What was the other dude's name? Not he, he wasn't a mic. What and we had like Andy Pettit? Pettit, thank you. You got Pettit, you had Cone, you had all these guys over the course where it was like, damn, these guys could go out there and feel literally on any given day, they can shut you down. You don't see a lot of that now. Like you said, it's it's really two guys, and then all the other guys are old guys. I mean, like it's it's Verlander, Cole. Uh, um, you know, it's really about it. Like, like there, there, there's no other guys that have had longevity. Most of these guys have come in, gotten out to a strong start, then, like you said, fall off. Like you said with Strasburg, hey, he can't even use one of his arms, he can't even stay healthy. That happens, that seems to happen to a lot of these guys, and it's very disappointing to see. Um, especially for me, I am always a big fan of like great offense in baseball. Oh, I will never ever complain about it but when i'm at home i can also enjoy an awesome pitching performance where you're watching a pitcher just dotting these guys up left and right you don't really get a lot of those now and it's it's kind of disappointing to see hopefully um this next crop of of pitchers are going to end up coming up from the minors all over the league hopefully we can get some guys like that right because at some point Garrett Cole gonna have to retire. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Verlander gonna have to retire. Like these guys that you know you can count on, they're gonna be gone. So who who else is gonna step up to those spots? And I don't really see a lot of guys like that. I mean, for God's sake, even Zach Hyphen's 29 at this point. You know, you know what I mean? And it's like it's taken him this long to really be this guy that he is now. So I have real questions about what's going to end up happening long-term with a lot of pitching in baseball. But before we move from baseball, I do have to say, White Sox fans, I, we have been very, very hard on the White Sox 
all season long. And I hope now, by this time, you guys can all see that me and Dave were doing nothing but being fair about what the White Sox are as a team because the White Sox are terrible, okay? <laughs> like, they whew, they are awful, okay? It, look, I know I was being very, very alarmist about the Cubs, but if I was a White Sox fan, dear Lord, would I be even more alarmed. I would be like, we got to blow this whole thing up. Like, we, what do they have at this point? They would, like... I thought at some point, honest to God, Dave, I really, really did. I thought at some point, Anderson would snap out of it, right? I thought I was like, "There's no way he can keep having a terrible year. Like this, 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 this is impossible, right?" Tim Anderson has been good for like his whole career. There's no way he could just. And he's played a little bit better, but not to the level that you need. I mean, he's supposed to be your guy that's hitting 300. He's hitting 273. <laughs> and we we've talked about the, the about their pitching situation. We know there. I don't think there's a pitcher on that roster that we trust. Oh no no no. Um, no, I mean it's yeah. It really, it's just every single player is like you know they had five or six young guys who you were like, if these guys all hit this level, they're gonna be phenomenal. And every single one of them got to here, right? I mean, we're talking, instead of getting to 100% what you were hoping, they got to about 75%. And if you have a rebuild where four of your guys get to 100%, two of your guys get to 75%, that's okay. That's, that's so when none of, of them reach that potential. I mean, there's no reason Luis Robert needs to be batting 250 right now. And there's, I mean, Luis Robert one day looks like Willie Mays and the next day, he looks like Miles Mastroboni. I don't get it. I you know mean, who he reminds me of? They're different positions. It's Aramis Ramirez, dude. Yep. That That's just their Aramis. He's a guy that you know he's got great potential, but he has got a glaring hole in his game, and sometimes teams take advantage of it. Sometimes they don't. You know, so when, when I look at Robert, I'm just like, God, Damn it, dude. You have so much talent. Why are you this bad? Why? I do not understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, some of the other guys on the team, right? We know. Some of those guys, we've, as Chicago sports fans, we've known for years that they're not really what some White Sox, White Sox fans wanted to make them out to be. So we already knew. But a guy like Robert, Robert, you're looking at him and you're like, oh, man, this is supposed to be the next guy for us, right? He's supposed to be our, you know, we went from Frank to Jose Abreu, to now Robert, the Robert's going to be the next guy in line. And he ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I hate saying it as a Cubs fan, but I was, I've been trying to tell people, I was trying to tell people at the time of the trade that Aloy Jimenez had so many issues that I didn't care about losing Aloy Jimenez as a Cubs fan. You know, you know, good as he's saying in Chicago, but, I mean, he's batting 250 on, he's batting, what, 255, I think. Which is a hell of a higher level. We got to give him his credit. After this weekend, he's up to 266. <laughs> a whole 266? <laughs> wow. Does he have any? He must have a lot of home runs at least, right? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, well, he must play gold glove defense then, right? Uh, no. No. Definitely not that last one. He, um, 
you know, I mean, he can't stay on the field. And then, you know, he just – people talk about Eloy Jimenez like he was going to be the Aaron Judge you keep talking about. And he surely is no Aaron Judge. You know, he's he's a he's a fine hitter. He's a, he's a good hitter. He's not going to have that – He's not going to have those MVP type seasons. It looks like, though. Um, I mean, he's not. How, how old is Eloy Jimenez right now? Is he like what twenty seven? Eloy, yeah, it looks like he's about turned twenty seven. He is. Yeah, he's twenty six. So yeah, he should be. Yeah. No, he'll be turning twenty seven this year, Dave. He'll be twenty seven yeah, in November. November of this year. Yeah, I mean, but he just doesn't look like a guy who's going to break out one of those MVP contenders. Moncado looks like he is a serviceable utility guy, but that's about it. Um, my question and, for you, though, Dave, is how long are they going to keep rolling Gavin Sheets' ass out there, bro? Like, when when does this stop? When does it stop? Yeah, he's got to have some information on somebody. I mean, he, <laughs> right, he always. Like, and here's the thing, right? I, I get playing Aloy Jimenez in left field because mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, you know, he has the potential and his bat could be a difference maker for us in a game. Well, you know Gavin Sheets' bat ain't going to do a goddamn thing for you. He's a 230, 240 hitter. I mean, what what are we talking about? But they still, Pedro Grafal, every so often is like, no, we need that bat in the lineup. Get out in right field. I don't care how bad defense you play out there. We need you batting. And, I mean, he, Pedro Grafal, by the way, I mean, his lineup decisions are mind-boggling. I mean, he puts out lineups that you just, like, look at the numbers behind them and you just go, how do I, how do I, scrolling Twitter, get better advanced statistics to tell me this lineup's terrible? How did Pedro not get this information? How did he... I feel like him and David Ross get together at a weekly Sunday lunch and be like, how can we our lineups up this week? Bro, I mean, if you were talking about the worst managers in baseball <laughs> and you started at the bottom, I don't think you would have to talk about Chicago after number 26. I, I yeah, I think within three, four teams, you've already covered both Chicago teams. Is like they, their managers are atrocious, bro. Atrocious. Because, like we said. A great manager is still going to get the best out of his roster. He's still going to figure out ways to, like, sneak a lot of wins. I mean, look at what Madden did in Tampa Bay for years. We're not even going to talk about what happened with Chicago, but just look at what he did in Tampa Bay for years. He figured it out. He figured, oh, well, we might need to do this. Like, I saw there was many a times as a baseball fan where all of a sudden you're like, why didn't Evan Longoria go from hitting leadoff to number eight? Because Joe felt that's what they needed it at. You got to make adjustments. The guys we got, within two years, both of them going to be fired. That's yeah, all I can absolutely. say. <laughs> absolutely. And, I mean, here's all you got to know. I mean, listen, I know the bullpen has not been very good this year for the White Sox. I know that you're kind of, you know, with you pick your poison. <laughs> but 24 times this year, the poison he's picked has been Aaron Bummer. Who has a 7.71 ERA in I'm gonna say that again. I'm gonna get really close to the microphone. 24 appearances. Bruh. Between what? him and um what is it? Him and Dykeman. I don't want if I'm a White Sox fan, I don't want to see either of those guys pitch for the team for the rest of the year. They have both been atrocious every time that they have come into the game. <laughs> even a couple games where the White Sox might have been able to pull the dub, them dudes 
shitted it away. So, I, honestly, Chicago baseball is terrible right now. And um, I'm sorry, but like Chicago fans, we sorry. We we would love to have more positivity on this episode about it. But since the last show, all of these teams have done is give us every reason in the world to not believe in them and to consistently think that they are terribly right. Maybe things will get better. Hopefully, the Cubs will get Otani in the offseason and fire David Ross so David Ross doesn't mismanage him, and then we can go from there. At this point, I think, yo, if, if I'm saying it to you, real real talk, Dave, I think Otani ends up as a Yankees player as much as I would love for him to come to Chicago. When I heard Aaron Judge, when he was, I don't know whose podcast was, but it's a current player that his, he was on his podcast, and he was talking about how the whole situation went. We re-signed with the Yankees, right? He said he calls up Hal, and he's talking to Hal about, you know, hey, man, we're going to get this deal done. And Hal's like, okay, what's the number? And he told him the number, and Hal was like, oh, that's it? Okay, we got you. We'll hurry up and get that signed. We'll make sure we get the contract to you because I plan on making you the captain of the New York Yankees. That's a team that cares about winning. So that's why I say, like, I would, I, I'm praying, I'm hoping, I'm wishing – you know what I'm saying? I'm doing I'm doing everything I can to hope that we get Otani. Do I believe that it happens, though? No, nah, I think he ends up in, in New York, and then we watch the Yankees have a new dynasty, and it's going to be disgusting because if you get if you're rolling out there in a series, at least four of those games is Garrett Cole and Otani. <laughs> I don't know how you're beating those guys in a seven-game series. I don't know how you do it. I um I do think you have the city correct, but I don't think you have the right team. I think he's a Met. I do. I think he's a Met. I think that uh, when you talk about a guy who uh, just all he wants is to win a World Series and he's not afraid to spend as much money as he needs to and he has unlimited money because he did uh, a lot of shady shit that we just apparently forgot about, by the way. can we? <laughs> does nobody talk about this anymore? <laughs> he was like under investigation by the FBI, Cohen. I mean, I, I listened to a whole five-part documentary about it a couple weeks ago on a, on a show called American Scandal. Scandal! What are we talking about? <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about how Steve Cohen just has all this money that he got from all this illegal bullshit, and now he's just the team, the owner of a team that has no salary cap? We're just fine with this, by the way. He's going to be a Matt. Him and Cody Senga are going to be phenomenal teammates together. They're going to be 40%. Japanese rotation that's going to throw absolute these crazy sliders with these goofy leg kicks, and we're just gonna have to watch the Mets win a couple World Series. I think. Here's the only reason I disagree with you: if Shohei was on the Dodgers and he was getting ready to leave and go to New York, I'd agree with you because he would have experienced playing on a team that actually gives a shit about winning. But he'd been stuck on these Angels where it's very clear they don't give a damn about winning because there is no way if you gave a damn about winning that you've had the best player in baseball for all these years and ain't done this with it. How many times? What, they didn't make the playoffs with him, what, once? Mm-hmm. One time. And then they got with put Trout, right Yeah, once with Trout. How do you have the best player in baseball? We had Sammy in Sosa. Okay, he was not the best player in baseball. We were still able to make the playoffs. How do you have Mike Trout and build a team so you have Mike Trout and Old Tiny, and you build a team so poorly 
that you are in fourth in your division and your division is not a great one. It's really two teams in your division. That's it. And other dudes is trash. I'm just glad I'm not an Angels fan. That's all I can say. Man, it's all that Josh Hamilton money and Albert Pujols money. And who was that pitcher they got? Oh, the guy with the – he got the car dealership in the suburbs. What's his name? C.J. Wilson? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, They, they thought they, he was going to be the next guy. And then Rendon got all that money. He just got cleared the other day. He's not going to get arrested for, uh, you know, throwing hands with that fan on opening day. Well, I'd be mad, too, if I'd have lost the athletics. Damn. Yeah, look, I understand Mike Trout likes it out there and everything. I'm going to be real with you, Dave. That was me. I'd be like, y'all motherfuckers got to trade me. I'm not doing this no more. You got to trade me. This, this is too much. Mm-mm. Year after year. I mean, dude, it, like, because we, we we talk about it on here, right? There is not a lot of, like, pure hitters out there that are guys that are literally five-tool guys that can give you everything you need. He is one of the few players in the league that can give you whatever you need in year after year after year. They have shit away. This dude is a 301 career hitter, and they have made the playoffs one time with him. One time. How is that even possible? He's hit over four. He's hit 40 or more home runs at least twice, and y'all made the playoffs only one time with him. I couldn't yeah. be ages. I mean, think about some of the guys they put out there, man. I mean, it's it's truly it's not like uh you know, for example, like in the NHL, you see some of these super superstar players that don't have playoff success, and you're like, ah, maybe that maybe that's on them. This is like, bro, your second best hitter is a dude I ain't never heard of before. Like, what <laughs> seriously? Y'all, I mean, you have Max Stacy's been their catcher for like eight years. He's trash. They got starting pitchers I ain't never heard of going out there every fifth day. They their calls to the bullpen are guys who you know two years ago were working in a warehouse somewhere. I mean, it's just the craziest thing I've seen in my entire life. I don't know how they can keep doing that. They need to be arrested for crimes against baseball. Um, yeah, I'm trash organization. I understand where Mike Trout might be like, oh, no, I'm loyal to the organization and all this. If I'm his agent or anybody else, I'm like, dog, do you have any idea how much money we could be making if you just went to New York or Chicago? If you w- Or, hey, if you actually went to the real L.A. team, <laughs> not this fake-ass L.A. team that you play for that's not even anywhere near L.A. For those yeah. that don't know, if you've never been to California, where the Angels play is nowhere near fucking L.A. and Southern California. It, it, look, they are closer to the Giants than they are Los Angeles, okay? That's how far off they are up north. Okay, so just stop it. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That's the stupidest name I have ever heard in my life. Yeah. Los <laughs> Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That shit always hits, man. Unbelievable. Who, who thought it? of that shit, yes. man? I mean, who was like, no, no, that looks fine. That looks good. Don't worry. And then on top of that, owner, how the hell do you approve that? That is a terrible idea. There's nothing good about this idea. Nothing. And it's not, and 
And it's not like baseball is ever going to let that team move from up there. They're not. They have fan support. Even when they're bad, they have people going to their games. So what are we doing? It's dumb. It, it's insanely, insanely dumb. But you know what else is real dumb? When you start hearing the crazy talk of fans coming out about OTAs and players not showing up for OTAs, mm. like we're currently having to deal with, with Jalen Johnson not showing up for Bears OTAs. There have been quite a few people out here having issue with it, trying to talk trash about Jalen Johnson. If he really cared, he would be there all the woofity woof woof woof, blah, blah, blah. Look. You you have two of the more passionate Bears fans you're going to ever meet sitting here doing this show. Neither of us give a rat's ass that Jalen Johnson is at, not at OTAs, but we don't care. What does it matter? He, he barely participated in off-season stuff last year, was barely healthy for the preseason and for training, like training camp, and he was still by far our best corner last year in one of the higher-rated corners when you look at his numbers, why am I worried about this dude? Why would I be worried about him? He don't need to be at OTAs. He the the players that don't need to be at OTAs in my mind on our team, right? Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, everybody else, yo ass should probably be there. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, man, especially for a cornerback, an outside corner. I mean, really. What are we really talking about here? You know what? For a cornerback, this is what's going to happen. Every play, you're going to get the play call in, and you're either going to run the same zone every single time, or you're going to play man. That's it. That's all you have to know. You have to know, oh, what was that? What, oh, sorry, TJ, what was that? You calling the plays for the defense, right? Or, or Tremaine Edmonds, what's the play? Oh, I'm running man. Gotcha. Sounds good. Definitely didn't need to be working out OTAs for that. And by the way, at OTAs, he's probably playing against second-string receivers. Bro, me and you could be second-string receivers for the <laughs> Chicago Bears. And I weigh a solid 300, man. I, I, I'm a big dude. I'm a big, slow motherfucker. And I will absolutely go out there and be numbers two set on the fucking Bears, these wide receivers. I mean, they got dudes that should not even be getting paid by the Bears organization running out there. Well, Jalen Johnson's not going to be able to shut down this undrafted rookie from Appalachian State. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, hey, you you know who's there? It, it really must definitely be using that work. Fucking Kendall Vale door. Let me tell oh, man. You hey, no, he should be working. He should be working at the uh, – he should be working <laughs> learning the Dewey Decimal System at the fucking library. He should be learning <laughs> how, to, how to get forklift certified. He should be learning how to uh, – how to make phone calls properly so he could be calling people all day talking about the dick pills. He could be a telemarketer. I, he could do anything else, but he sure as fuck can't play cornerback for my favorite team no more. I had to bring him up because I know me and you hate this man for doing so much. We really do. Like, like, look. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we do, we do. Yeah. For those that don't know, me and this, me and Dave have been ranting and raving to each other about Kendall Veldor for both seasons that he's been on this team. Every time we see him on the field, it's like, why, why, Jesus? because oh. <laughs> nothing good happens. So, hopefully, over this OTAs, I don't want to harp on Veldor too much because, like, we we talk about that dude all day. But hopefully, what I'm tell me this, Dave. And maybe you're feeling the same way. I'm hopeful that out of these OTAs, what will come 
of it of anything is kind of, is some continuity from your offensive line and from your quarterback and wide receiver. All I care about. That's it. That's it. And I do want the defense, the front line, the front four to have some uh, some idea as well. Continuity there is going to be important as well. But, man, the two most important things are the offensive line. We got Tevin Jenkins trying a new position. Cody Whitehair is moving back to a different position. We got a rookie up there. The offensive line has the potential to be the best offensive line in football or the worst offensive line in football. It's anything goes at this point. So they need to get together. They need to communicate. They better be best friends, go out for dinner, whatever it's got to take to have the chemistry. So you know that guy into your left and right what they're going to be doing. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, all the reports from training camp throw that DJ Moore is just making this Bears defense look like Swiss cheese, and Justin Fields keeps putting the ball right where he needs to every single time. So if we keep that rolling and, and you know, that's that's the key to the whole season. I, I, I think everyone knows that, but it's still worth saying out loud. I think one of the things I noticed about Fields last year, especially, was that the guys that he trusts, he, he's going to hit them. Like Mooney and Komet, he trusted them. He's going to hit them in stride. He's going to give them opportunities to go make a play. But when he was out there having to look and be like, hey, that's EQ out there. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know, we got EQ out there. It's like, bruh, I wouldn't have thrown the ball either. Because, look, Equinemius, you're a great special teamer. You're a great dude to have as like a um, a situational guy to bring in. Like when you're in the, when you're in the red zone, and you need short yards, and you're trying to run the ball, having a receiver like EQ is great because you know he can block his little ass off. But you asking him to go out there and run routes and get open? He is not his brother, Amon Ra, okay? He is not. So I can't blame Fields for not wanting to throw the ball. The thing I think I'm happiest to hear is just that so far, knock on wood, of course, we've been healthy, haven't had guys – getting stupid injuries, putting us in a weird spot already. Last year was a year with a lot of injuries. Um, <laughs> whew, man, we we were – by the end of the year, Dave, we were throwing some guys out there that I was like, who the hell are you? And you Bro, know, I play Tim, bad franchise, and I'm still like, who is this guy? Tim Boyle threw passes for the Bears last <laughs> year, man. Come on, Nathan <laughs> Peterman started a game. Bruh. Bruh, Nathan, oh, make it stop. Peterman. <laughs> hey, hey, look, I'm telling you, Nathan Peterman must be the greatest human being on the face of this planet because we know he sucks as a quarterback. So, so he has to be like the nicest, best teammate in the world that he keep getting these damn jobs. I don't understand it. Even yeah, as backup, what's the purpose? He stinks. I, I, I would bet he's a future head coach. He must be very smart. He's got to bring some stuff to the meetings. And I, I don't mean that in like a joking way at all, but you talk about him being a good teammate. He's either got to be the nicest dude, like you were saying, or he's got to have a really good brain on his head. Maybe that's why John Gruden liked him. Maybe that's why he keeps getting these jobs is he brings some stuff to meetings. He could be that guy that we kept thinking about, like Mark Sanchez was, where he keeps going mm-hmm. from team to team with a young quarterback and just kind of helping them learn everything. Um, but that's usually those guys usually end up being coaches. So you're saying he's the new Josh McCown. That's what you're saying. Mm. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Just without the, you know, random 400 yard games. Yes. Look, Doc, okay. 
listen, I understand Josh McCown had some random games where he was good. For his totality, oh, as a career, that man was boo-boo butt-butt at quarterback, mm-hmm. okay? Let's this, this this be real about this. I know Chicago fans, I know a lot of y'all love him, love Kyle Orton, uh, all these backup-ass quarterbacks that we didn't have over the years. I know you guys love them. I get it. They came in and they gave us moments. I get it. But when we're talking about what they are, yeah, Josh McCown was boo-boo butt-butt, okay? That's what he was. Man, hey, and shout-out to the Houston Texans for not – spending their entire offseason trying to convince themselves he's the head coach again. They just went out and got an actual head coaching candidate instead of these random dudes we never heard of while they're trying to hope that Josh McCown is available next year and won't hey, you know, raise eyebrows. He better be happy they didn't do that here. They got fired just like Lovey. Mm. He'd have been fired right away just like Lovey. Look, no matter who the Texans coach was last year, you were a placeholder. That's it. You were a placeholder till they figured out, okay, this is who we really want to bring in. And apparently they keyed in on on D'Amico Ryans early in the process because they made that decision pretty quickly, which is not an issue or anything. I'm not saying that's a problem, but I'm just saying pretty clear that they had their mind made up who they wanted to bring in. As far as the Bears go, to kind of wrap with them, the one thing I would like to see happen before we get to actual training camp is – The Bears need to find one guy that has shown he can be a pass rusher off the edge. I don't care if you're bringing in Frank Clark and Gakwe. You need somebody that can show you. I know a lot of people will say, why not? Why aren't you talking about Chase Young? Because Washington is going to want a bag for Chase Young. And when you go and look at his actual production, his production does not meet not only his draft position that he had, but also – what they're going to want back for him, and then what he's going to ask you to pay him when it comes extension time. Not worth it. And I know some people will try and counter and say, oh, well, you know, he was in Washington. Hey, man, there's been plenty of defensive players that get off from Washington. Plenty, plenty, plenty. He, at this point to me, is kind of a, uh, are you really that good? He's mid, bro. He's mid. I'm going to say it. He had a really good debut. We put up a few sacks. Since then, he has been an average edge rusher. He is not worth that bag that you have to pay him. Not worth any of it. You you have to look at free agency or another guy who has an expiring contract that you can trade a lot less for. Um, But, I mean, there's options in free agency. Jerome, man, I'm going to ask you the one name. You already know a name I'm going to ask you. Do you make the reunion happen? Are you on board with getting Leonard Floyd back to the Chicago Bears? Hell no, bro. Good. Thank Hell you, Jerome. No. Man. No. I keep no. hearing this, man. I keep hearing this. And I it blows my mind because the dude's trash. For what? Oh, he, look. All Leonard Floyd is is fast. He ain't got no moves. He ain't got a counter. He ain't got overwhelming strength. He's not the most, he's not the most like, oh, well, he just knows all the plays. He's always going to be in a good spot. That's not him. Leonard Floyd is just fast. That shit is only going to work when you got three other guys pulling double teams. I mean, when he was here in Chicago, he had other guys that were pulling the double team and Leonard Floyd would get one-on-one. And most of the time, you know what happened? Locked up. Clamps just stuck. Once in a while, he'd get off. Yeah, he'd run right by the dude and get a sack. But I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not for running. This is my hesitancy on Ngakwe, too, which is that Ngakwe, 
he's flashed, but it's never been super consistent. You know what I mean? Over the last two years, he's gotten more pressures than previously in his career, but that's still, that's one of those things that makes me be like, well, you knew you was playing for money, though, so is that really you? You know, so. Well, it's, it, it's a good argument. I mean, we've seen it happen before, and that's, that's all that means is that you're soft mentally. That means you got to you gotta find something to motivate yourself. You don't have that motor. You know, if you only play good in your contract years, that's because you're like, oh, man, I haven't done enough all these years. I got to try and get that bag now. I mean, it's – you see it a lot of times. It just means that they have to find a new way to motivate themselves every time out. And when they can't find their motivation, when they're set, they're done, they're just average. Not worth it. Yeah, um, so I'm looking here at Chase Young, right? And I'm looking at the totality of everything. So since January 3rd of the 2020 season, right? So that would have been January 2021, technically then, right? That man has had a resounding zero sacks. Bro. No, that's crazy talk, man. I mean, you know, as a rookie, he put up seven and a half sacks. But I'm going to the game talk because I'm pretty sure he had two and a half after week two. I mean, that is literally yeah. – that's considering that it eventually became an 18-game season. I mean, that is literally three full seasons where he has a combined six and a half sacks. So this you is – You want to trade all this for a guy to get two sacks every season? This is what's alarming to me. This is per PFF, okay? So this was them talking about how Washington had declined his fifth-year option. This is what they went on to say. They say, um, Young got off to a great start in the NFL, recorded six sacks, and earned a 75.9 pass rushing grade in 2020. Finished the year with a 87.1 defensive grade, which was sixth among edge defenders and 18th among all defenders, right? However, mm. since then, mm. he has only recorded two sacks and five quarterback hits. He has missed 23 games since he's been drafted. 23. Yeah, and that's like when you get those seven-foot-four centers to start getting the foot issues. When you got a big dude whose entire strength is – well, their strength and their size, like Chase Young and his athleticism, he's not going to get healthier. Those dudes don't get healthier, or they get healthier because they lose all that strength and they become trash. It's going to be one of the two. He's either going to play a lot of games and produce nothing like he did at the beginning of his career, or he's going to be a guy who for every three-game stretch he plays looks like a world beater, and he's going to be out for five or six weeks. Then he gets another two weeks, and then he's out for six weeks again. I don't want a part of either of those two things. Those are both horrible. The only encouraging thing that you can say for him, and this is, it's a very small sample size. Over the final three games um, of last year, he played 114 defensive snaps. He earned a 78.4 defensive rating, which was 10th during that span. Um, And he earned a 80.2 grade. 
playing from the linebacker alignment, right? Which is essentially he was an end that he was a edge guy that's playing as a linebacker primarily because of the scheme. Those that don't understand. He finished the season with a total of seven pressures, six hurries, and one hit. So seven pressures and 114 snaps, that's decent. But again, that's not I'm gonna trade the whole bag for this dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that's not oh yeah, man, we 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 have to bring that in no matter what. Cause if we're being honest. That's saying he got pressure on 16% of his snaps. If you matriculate that over time, that percentage point is probably going to end up dropping by like two to three percentage points. So that means over the course of a season, you're getting maybe 12 to 13% of his snaps are going to be pressures. I'm sorry, dog. I'm not trading the whole bag for that guy. Nope. I'm not doing that. Now, look, if yeah, you if, if you Michael Parsons, okay, <laughs> if, you, if you're doing something like that where you're getting – all types of pressures. Oh, you Miles Garrett? Were you TJ Watt? Something like that? Hey, we trade the bag for you. But this, nah, bro, I, I just don't see it. Like, you could see it right away with Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Parsons. I just don't see. I mean, no, even Bosa, right? Both Bosa's. You can see it right away with both Bosa's. When when Mac came in, you can see it right away with him. Those guys are real elite guys. I don't see it with Chase Young, man. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it, I, I definitely don't. He plays in a, in a team that has three or four really, really good defensive linemen, so you know that he's not the one that's getting double teamed. Or if he is the one that's getting double teamed, then I need to talk to those offensive coordinators because he might want to double team Jonathan Allen instead. <laughs> or or Payne, one of the two. You might want to yeah. double team one of those guys. Or, hey, even sweat, you might want to double team him. You know what I mean? One of the guys that actually produces, you might want to do that. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, you know, Poles continues to be a smart GM here and doesn't go Ryan Pace on us, you know, and just lose his mind and do some dumb shit for no oh. reason. Because we've had enough of that here with bad GMing. Well, why are you talking? Why we're talking about GMing? We got to bring up those Chicago Bulls because there is a connection to the NBA Finals here. For those that don't know, the Bulls' current general manager is the guy that technically put together the roster that is in the NBA Finals in the Nuggets right now, right? He pretty much brought in, if we're just talking about their core players, he brought in Jokic, um, Gordon, Murray, and uh, Porter Jr. He brought he, Those are all guys from him. So my question is, are we talking about how good he can be as a GM? Why the hell is he trying to pay Vucevic again, Dave? What the? This dude Vucevic on his shoulders, he fucking washed. Why are we trying to pay him again? Do, do you know how? Dave, I almost threw my fucking phone. <laughs> when the Bleacher Report notification came up, talking about, oh, the Bulls and Vucevic are in talks and it looks to be going. For what? Send his ass to China. Send him to China. We don't need him. He is terrible. Dave, I would rather see this team. This up And think about this, too, Dave. This is another upsetting part. And I'm not going to sit here and act like this man is a world beater. But he's better than Vucevic. We gave away Wendell Carter Jr., who at least has a potential to try and get better. Because we was like, we're going to play boots. Do you know what you know Wendell Carter averaged this year, Dave? Did you see? Mm-mm. Tell me. 15, 15, 8, 2.3 assists, and he shot 
52 from the field. And we got rid of him for Vucevic. Ah, you didn't sell me on Wendell Carter. That dude's mid and he's soft, bro. Wendell Carter ain't, ain't nothing to me. What is, Man, this? I'm what is Vucevic? Man, I'm not saying I want Vucevic, <laughs> but I'm happy they at least use Wendell Carter's stock to try and do something because I sure as hell did not want to watch Wendell Carter forget to box people out every possession. 15 and 8, that dude, man, he's 7 feet tall. He's a starting center in the NBA. He can't average 10 boards a game, but he's trash. I'm not worried about no Wendell Carter. But I am worried about Nikola Vucevic because when I talk about soft centers, I might eventually get to Wendell Carter, but the first person I'm going to be talking about is Nikola. And ain't going to be Jokic because that man is doing the thing out there in Denver. And Vooch is just, you know, they keep wanting to make him a three-point shooter. He's, he's bro, that's how he is. It's not who he is. But it doesn't mesh with DeMar and Zach, and that's the problem. So if you bring Vooch back, you have to get rid of at least one of those two guys because you want those guys penetrating. And it's not going to be worth it to penetrate if you have Nikola Vucevic in his best spot, which is right underneath the basket. It's the same thing that Timberwolves ran into. They ran into Carl Anthony Towns having to become a three-point shooter because him and Rudy Gobert couldn't space the floor. You built 75% of your team to match Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, but then you made your starting center who's going to need his 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 shots because you put a lot of money into him works a completely different system he doesn't fit billy donovan's system he doesn't fit the players around him you are putting a square hole a square peg into a round hole and it hasn't worked yet and it's not going to work again i listen i like the team when they were doing what they were doing beginning of last year with lonzo but we know lonzo's not going to be back guys so you have to you have to go into next year saying you're not going to have Lonzo, and we saw what happened this year when you don't have Lonzo. Even if you have a first team defensive player, your defense sucks because Vooch can't play defense, Demar can't play defense, Zach can't play defense, Dalen Dalen Terry can't get off the bench, Marco Simonovich can't get out of Hoffman Estates to get to the Chicago team. <laughs> I mean, you are looking at a mess of a roster outside of these guys. The, the big three does not work together well. It you've got to move on, man. This is this is not. You have to do something different. And to me, the only way to do that is a sign and trade for Vooch. So I, you know, I'm hoping that there's a team out there that desperately needs somebody to take some 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 salary cap relief uh, for them. And the Bulls can say, hey, you want to sign Vooch for 25 a year? Well, you got this dude at 25 a year. Let's make it happen. That the Lonzo point is, I think, the linchpin of this entire thing working at all because there is a significant difference in how that team played offensively once they lost Lonzo. Lonzo gave him rhythm, he was constantly hitting the open man, unselfish as hell, right? All the time, like we would see Lonzo would break a guy down, know he got the defender coming kick it to that corner for that wide open three, right? Like we know he was getting, he was hitting Levine and DeMar DeRozan in transition. Great spots for him to quickly get a bucket, right? Once we lost him, the offenses looked terrible in my mind. Um, I was, I was hopeful for Kobe White, but I, at this point, he's a, he's poor man's Kyrie Irving. He is a two guard in a point guard's body. And that's not his fault. Right. But it is who he is. You're only going to get so much out of that. 
now you're talking about our defense too. The defense fell off in cliff once Lonzo was out because guess what? Who was our guy that usually ended up guarding the best perimeter players? They would switch off between Lamar uh, between Lonzo and Demar. Now you're saying Zach or Kobe go out there and guard them dudes. That that's a bad news that we've known since we got Zach Levine in that Jimmy Butler trade. That dude's a fucking turnstile. That's what he is. So. Defense is bad. Offense is bad. Look, I, I would love to say, hey, maybe things get better if Lonzo could come back. But, hey, dog, you now trying to depend on a dude where historically now, if you look at what it says since he's been in the NBA, he's the guy that's got fucking knee problems. You can't depend on a guy that's got knee problems, man. You just can't no, do it. He's done for, man. I mean, we got to – he's done for – you know, Kobe White didn't turn into the prolific score you hoped he, we hoped he would. Uh, Patrick Williams, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Patrick Williams a pass because last year at the end of the year they changed up their defense a little bit. And he was putting up some really good defensive effort. He really made a huge, huge leap in my opinion. And I think that's the reason why they went from the 12 seed to eventually at least making the play in and winning a play in game was was Patrick Williams. But at the end of the day, you know, even if you win 40 games next year, you're gonna be hoping. You only get to 40 by DeMar DeRozan hitting a few clutch shots out of nowhere that if he starts all of a sudden missing those, you're losing those games. Zach's going to need to put up 45, 50 in a couple games to win. You're depending on these very random off chances happening. You know, you don't have a team that every night can go out there and you say, oh, I know that, that we'll be fine. They're going to put up a good defensive effort. They're going to move the ball really well on offense. You have too many ball stoppers. Zach's a ball stopper. Vooch is a ball stopper. Patrick Williams doesn't even play a part of the offense. He just stands in one spot, jogs around to a different spot, jogs back to this spot, and then when they throw him the ball, it's because he's wide open. That's the only reason he ever touches the ball is because he's wide open. And when you're wide open, you have to shoot the shot. You know, the worst thing that happened to the team, my, this is sound crazy. This is one of my conspiracy theories, but the worst thing that ever happened to the Chicago Bulls was that random summer league where they told Patrick Williams to go out there and be the only guy doing anything out there on offense, and he was trash. That killed his confidence. I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a different player if he, they never did that. But they told him to go out there and be the man, and he shot about 30% from the field, and they lost every game, and he was like, I am not the man. I'm not even the man in the goddamn summer league. I got to do like Denzel Valentine win an MVP in the summer league. I can't even win a game in the summer league. Are you kidding me? He probably thought – he probably walked out of there thinking he was trash, man. And you know what probably didn't help that first season – they were not playing him early in the year to get his confidence back, which then I think I, – because I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I never really thought about that, but that is true. It probably did kill his confidence to be so bad, especially after you watched Denzel Valentine. He was a baller in summer league, and you, you're saying, damn, nigga, I'm not even as good as Denzel Valentine? Like, good God, buddy, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah, I, look, man, I don't know – how this gets better without the Bulls just blowing it all the way out. They have to blow. Unless somehow you can trade for a superstar, but the superstars that would potentially be available for you, or the stars, I should say, because there's only a few superstars in the league, right? The stars that would be available to you might end up being a dude like Carl Anthony Towns, and do you really want to build a team around him? We've already seen no. that experiment in Minnesota. 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. Miss me with that, man. But but you I see mean, what I mean? Like that that's the spot. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the NBA is you star superstars don't get traded. Superstars get traded if there's an issue. You know, I mean, superstars get traded if they're arguing with with the front office and ownership, or they haven't been able to get to the playoffs. And we know winning cures everything. So the guys that are getting traded are the guys that can't win. Why or if you want a guy that can't win? Or if you just want to coddle a dude like Ben Simmons or Carl Anthony Towns, then then those guys get soft. traded too. S A W F T soft man. That's <laughs> the only dudes that get traded anymore, man. Dudes that are soft and weak. And I'm gonna sound like a boomer. That's this. Ge- that's, a, that's this generation. You know. No, it, you're right though. You're right. There. Look, I. I try not to say that that they're soft. What it is is that I don't feel like there is the same level of competitor that there used to be. The, to to be the best in the NBA, you used to have to have that Michael Jordan sickness where you just found any slight. You know what I mean? And it was like, hey, I'm taking that out. I took that personal. We're going to make this happen now. I don't feel like there's a lot of that now in the league. I feel like a lot of guys, especially um, – and I'm and please understand, I'm not faulting them for the amount of money that they make, but I think because of the money that they make, even being an average guy, I mean, for God's sake, let's go back. And I, I always love talking about this dude, but what is about five, six years ago, right? Chandler Parsons got over a hundred million dollars in a contract when it was already proven that his knees were probably done and he still got a hundred million dollars. So you see, so like, now you don't have to be the best players in the league to get a hundred million dollar contract anymore. You know what I mean? Now you can be average guy, you can be role player and get you a hundred million dollars. Was like that before. I think wow. but I think we're finally approaching like the because you know, eventually it, it, stuff like that, you hit like a critical mass and then it starts changing think we've hit the critical mass and it's slowly starting to see a change because now because of what guys like Jimmy Butler have done in this postseason what Jokic have done in this in this uh postseason right I think teams are going to start valuing guys more with that dog more with that fight than saying hey look you can have that more talented guy I'm going to take this dude who's a little less talented but I know he's got that fucking dog in him I know he does because that dog is going to get him and get this team to places that we probably shouldn't even have got to. Because look at look at the Heat, Jimmy Butler, for two rounds, put that team on his back, and then in the in the conference finals they was like, "Hey, dog, you put us on our, on your back for two rounds, we got you this round." Yeah, no, I mean you're spot on, and 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 that's that's the thing. I mean. But we talk about Jimmy Butler. I mean, we we all know the practice story, but the practice story tells exactly what you are ex- explaining. When he said, I'm going to grab the bench players and I'm going to whoop the starters, and he went out there and dogged the starters to the point where the starters are out here crying. To, you know, cry. I got, he beat us so bad. He said he's going to beat us again. That proves a point right there, man. When you have that guy with that mentality, basketball is a very individual game. You know, when you have that guy, if you have superstar versus superstar, one guy is more mentally strong than the other one, they're going to win that battle most of the time. So when you got Jimmy Butler against Jalen Brown, sorry, Jalen Brown, you didn't look very mentally strong, 
and that's even a series where Jimmy didn't play his best ball. But I mean, yep. when you have that, you have other guys around you that are saying that they exactly like you said, they're going to say, no, no, no. If he's going to put up 115% and he's mm-hmm. got the money and he's got the, the info, he's got the fame and he's got everything going and he's still putting up 110%. I better put up 120 if I want to be at that level one day. Yep. He builds everyone else around him. Shout out to Caleb Martin. Shout out to all these sharpshooters they got that see Jimmy Butler and say, no, 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 that guy's going to put up 50 points a couple times in these playoffs, and he's going to have an off night. I better make every single open three that he gives to me because he could just go out there and score 50 again tomorrow and I don't touch the basketball. We get the same result, but I'm not going to be the reason why we lose tonight. And shout out to Illinois' own Max Struess on that roster, too. Yes. Shout out to the boy Max, man. Lewis University, Lewis Flyer, man. You know how many times I used to sit next to Max Struess after Lewis games, talk to him about the game? Man, that was when I was when I was that head broadcaster. I got the I got the Broadcaster of the Year awards in the other room I could pull out and put on camera. Hold on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he's a smart dude. He's a good dude. I love watching Max Struess, seeing him succeed. Um, shame that he didn't go to the Bull. Oh, Wait, no, he was on the Bulls. Oh, that's right. They didn't give him a chance. Embarrassing. (laughs) Struess, Butler, any other Bulls on that team, man? They got. Look, at the end of the day, the Bulls would be in a better position if Garpax had any set of webos. That's all I'm saying. Because we would have never traded Jimmy, we would have told Derek. And the whole crew on there, hey, look, we understand Jimmy be getting on some of y'all nerves, but this the next motherfucker right here. Derek ain't got no fucking knees left. Okay, Joe Kim, you getting old as hell. Okay. What what, what y'all want to do? Y'all want to win or you want to cry and talk about how he he tough on us in practice and always wanted to practice hard? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Because that's the only way that motherfucker knows how to win. He doesn't. Some of y'all experience winning when you have to give it your all. Jimmy don't know another way. The only way he knows how to win is to give it his all and to bust ass every day. That's it. We would have been a better spot to this day if we would have just kept Jimmy Butler. Because yeah, then guess what? Hey, we, we, traded, wait, we traded Jimmy to then get rid of Derek anyway. Oh, this is genius. <laughs> Fuck you, Garbage. Yeah. You know, it made sense at the time. It just didn't work out. I'm, no, I, I it never made sense move. to me. It never made sense to me. You 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 need all them years we were searching for somebody to play next to Derek, where we have a real two guard, where we run out the likes of Kyle Corvers and shit. We finally get a dude, certified defender, knows how to score. He's just too mean to us in practice. <laughs> there wasn't a timeline though there wasn't a timeline there wasn't a a path man at this time and you know what man fuck guard packs and fuck jerry reinsdorf he's a bitch so fuck you sell the fucking team you asshole sell give both the teams you fucking prick give me an owner that cares about winning hey look like like when you was talking about the mets owner earlier hey look we may know he did some very 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 sketchy things that we could talk about but one thing we can't question is, does that nigga want to win? Yes, he does. <laughs> he yeah, wants to I mean, win very much. This dude, Reinsdorf, like guard packs, ruined this team for a decade and a half, had them putting out these dumbass moves, man. Every single week you sit there watching on what are, 
what are these dudes doing? And that's why you lose Jimmy Butler is because Jimmy Butler was he wasn't going to get anywhere with the Bulls trying to put people around him. So that's why the move to me made sense. Try to get three or four pieces for Jimmy Butler because if you could have hit on two of the three pieces you got back instead of just one of the pieces you got back, at the very least you got 40% of a starting rotation. And now Garpax can't fuck those those 40% of that up. That's about all that was good for him. But when you have guard packs at the helm, it, it doesn't matter. Even a move that makes sense doesn't make sense because they're probably going to fuck it up because Jerry Reinsdorf's fucking it up because the whole city's gotten fucked up by these terrible-ass owners that we got to get rid of. Man, eat the fucking rich. That's what I got to say today. I'm with you. Hey, look, you know what happens when you get it wrong? You end up with Wendell Carter, Patrick Williams, and Kobe White. Good job, guard packs. Good job. But Dave, tell the people where to find you. Uh, you could, uh, man, what's my Twitter? I, I, I've been trying to get on Twitter more. I've been arguing with people on Twitter. Let me check what the tag is now. I got 15 notifications, actually. I was arguing with Panthers fans well, yesterday. Why are, you, why are you thinking about it? Let me tell you a crazy Twitter story. I saw, so I seen a tweet, right? I happened to just look up Hulk Hogan on there because like, I saw that he was like trending in, in my stuff for some reason. I was like, why is Hulk Hogan trending? You know, I seen a brother came over there and said he was. His feelings were so hurt, and he was so disappointed with what he saw with, with Hulk Hogan, what he said about Mick Foley not being a great wrestler. And my question for that brother was, hey, man, it didn't bother you when he said the N-word all crazy, though? That didn't bother you. That didn't break your heart. But it broke your heart because he talked crazy about Mick Foley. I don't understand. My man would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Kiss my ass. You just you just don't want to get exposed right now on Twitter by the rest of Black Twitter coming for you and saying, "Oh, you cool with him saying the N word, huh?" <laughs> man, yeah, what a wild, what a wild ride that man's <laughs> life has been, huh? Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Davy Dots. That's me, Davy Dots Seventeen. Uh, you can find me eating a uh, an award winning rib from a, a suburban uh, rib spot, the Pit, at a Naperville Rib Fest. Um, you could also follow the wrestling that we talked about earlier in the show uh, on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram at Premier Pro Wrestling. Uh, no E at the end of Premier. Uh, it's like the Premier League. I think the Premier League does the same thing. Um, yeah, that's about it, man. That's where you can find me. How about you, Jerome? Where, where am I going to be following you at? At Jay Spender, man, everywhere you will either see my pretty face or the ITC logo. You already know it, baby. But make sure that you like, subscribe, rate, review us, share it with everybody, hit that notification bell so you're notified that every time we drop something new, because you know you love our spicy content. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was another resounding episode of your favorite Chicago show. You heard it, Chicago show. We do everything here. Just wait. I got some shit for Riot Fest next week. I got some. Don't you worry. I just... Hey, actually, hey Jerome, how about this? Next weekend, next week, next recording... No sports, all Chicago. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got some heat. There's some things Let's that I've been it. like, I, I needed a couple of the stories to play out a little bit, but there's some things. I got some heat. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you on the next episode of your favorite Chicago show, and that is Because Chicago. <laughs>